Blog Talk Radio. Time with Pastor Steph. That's what I like to hear, for this is the day the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. So, where were you yesterday? Oh, not yesterday, I'm sorry, Monday. Ah, we started off shaking the Monday morning blues with the due time crew. And, um, whew, did we have some information to talk about on Monday? Oh, the news was going buck wild. News was going buck wild as we talked about the little girl and the woman who were both raped not once but twice. But we landed at the little girl who's 11, twice by two boys, two separate boys, and who ended up pregnant at the age of 11. And the family division of the high court in London petitioned a judge to not only mandate that the little girl have an abortion, but that she have the placenta used for forensic testing for, like, this criminal investigation. And, you know, this was just a really bad situation. You know, they had so much to talk about under this girl's uh, family just neglecting her. You know, they found that, you know, she had been watching pornography since the age of eight, that she had been involved with self-harming herself and putting herself in sexually Avoidable positions. I mean, the list 
just goes on and on and on. And, you know, for the longest time as I was reading this article, I'm trying to figure out, you know, why were her parents not mentioned? And then I realized, well, if they've got this whole myriad of things that they can say about this little girl, she was being neglected by the parents. So that's how she ended up in, like, the social services of the, you know, of, of London. Because she's raped once, and then weeks later, she's raped again, you know, so close that once she was 10 years old, and then another time, weeks later, when after she turned 11 years old, and you're like, well, if they've got all of this to say, and all of this about her being raped, then where were the parents? So I guess that's why they figured, you know what, hey, we can't even leave her in the care of the parents and even leave them with anything to say. Yeah. And, you know, it's it's so sad that these children, and I've said it over and over again, that they don't even make it out of their home safely. You know, years ago we used to have to worry about, you know, people messing with them outside of the home, you know, whether it was a coach or, you know, another neighbor or, you know, a pedophile or something. But the parents are doing so much more damage to these children than any outsider could do. And I'm trying to figure out, you know, well, where are these people? Where are these people where these children would become so vulnerable that no one would have a chance to get to them before the parents have already destroyed them and it's the outsiders who have to really rescue the children. So, you know, it's it's really, really a sad state of affair and you know, just really praying for this child that all this trauma will really be gone from her memory later on in life because they have gone through so much at such an early age is really very traumatizing. And, you know, praying that she doesn't have to live with this really pretty much for the rest of her life. Uh, you know, so, you know, go back and listen. It was a pretty interesting conversation. You know, we did have our topic of, you know, focus and, you know, all that kind of stuff. But, you know, I, it just really stuck with me from Monday. Really, really stuck with me. Well, on a Monday, we finish off having our switch tip. And the switch tip with Shantice, move on God's word. And, <laughs> boy, you know, what a, what a word for the week. 
you know, we're going to have to not just get the word, you know, not just be a hearer of the word, but we have to be a doer of God's word. Really focus on what God has said and really let him see that we're really getting something out of the word. You know, we're not just hearing it and then that's all that's happening. We have to really show God that he's really doing something great in our life because that's what's really, that's what really matters. Us getting the word is not what we need. We don't need to just get the word because we can get anything. But what we're doing with the word is really key. Are we leaving it in the sea of forgetfulness? <laughs> is that what we're doing? Are we the blind who are leading the blind? That people can't rely on us to make sure we're living by God's word properly so that we can be pleasing to the Lord. You know, that's like so important, so important for us. And the more God deals with me, the more I realize how important it is that we do what God wants us to do. So I want to make sure I'm living correctly. I want to make sure that when God looks at me, he's not just going to say, you know, well done, my good and faithful servant, when I'm, you know, later on. I want him to be able to look down on me now and say, good and well done. I'm not okay with him not being happy with my life right now. And it is my goal to strive and make sure that whenever God thinks of Stephanie, he is happy with what he sees. That's really, really important, that he is happy with what he sees. He's not just looking at me and, you know, frowning or chastising all the time, but that whatever he sees in me, he is pleased with it now. I, I, I'm not just striving so that, you know, later on, looks and says, you know, good, well done. No, I need that to go on right now. What's the point of me living my life and claiming to be a child of God, saying that I'm in the, you know, in the army of the Lord, but yet he is not pleased with what I'm doing now. So, you know, my prayer is that it's not just me, that all of us want to be doers, and we are doers of God's word, not just hearers. You know, we don't want to just hear and keep it moving like nothing happened. We want to make sure that everything we do, that it is in the will 
of God for our life. I don't want to do what everybody else is doing. I don't want to copy and, you know, my life looks like somebody else's life and I want to have what someone else has. No, I want to make sure that I am in right standing with God. That is so important to me. That is really important to me. And my prayer is that it's important to you as well. That when we get up, the first thing we do is when we go before the Lord, we are just telling God to order our steps. That we're not on our own tangent. We're not on our own path. We're not just doing what we want to do. We're not just trying to imitate and mimic what the world is doing. No. That we are following what God has for our life. Your life. Your life. Your your life. So, come on. Come on. Let's, let's get this thing right. Let's get this thing right. Okay? All right. Well, today is Wow Wednesday, everybody. Oh, we have hit the middle of the week. Woo! Already it is the middle of the week, and we are closer to the end of the year. And I'm excited to be here with you this morning, giving God thanks that he has awakened us. We are on this side of the grave. So uh, come on, come on, come on. Let's get this day started. Go ahead and get that healthy breakfast. Go ahead and tell somebody that it's due time with Pastor Steph is on. And whatever you do, whatever you do, don't go anywhere because we will be right back. Of course, walking and rolling to school is good for you and good for the earth. And being stuck in long lines of idling traffic is frustrating. But it can feel like we have no choice. And ironically, it's a vicious cycle. We are the traffic we are stuck in. But there is a solution. Parking and walking to school. Choose a location a few blocks away from school. Park your car and walk with your kids. In many cases, parking and walking takes less time than sitting in traffic. If parents who drove to school parked and walked even one day a week, imagine how much less traffic there would be. We can make a difference, one vehicle and one step at a time. Good morning and good morning again. Welcome back to It's Due Time with Pastor Steph. And it is Wow Wednesday, everybody. Yeah. Oh, everybody, uh, you know, as some people call it, 
hump day. We call it Wow Wednesday. Try to figure out how to get through this day. We wake up and we give this day to the Lord. And we let him work out that part of that of the morning. Yeah, you know, when we go before him in the morning, we uh we give it to him. We tell the Lord today is your day. It's not home day, it's your day. And we want you to take over. And that's the beginning of a wonderful day. Wonderful day. Not a good day, but a wow day. Alrighty. Well, I don't know what our girl Vivian is. I'm praying that she's okay. So I'm going to get this morning started with a story that I had left over from the other day. And this is not the first time that I've heard about this thing here, but I understand that it's becoming a a big concern. So have FDNY. They had a hard time the other day getting to a 13-year-old who was stabbed by another child on the bus out in Staten Island. Yeah. So it was like maybe 25 after 6 or so afternoon and there was an altercation between two young people on the bus on New York City bus and one young boy stabbed another young boy and they say because there's been an increase of volume during that time of the day, which has now become something that's not unusual, they say. The ambulance that was called couldn't get to the boy. So when the cops arrived on the site of the stabbing, they say they waited but they realized that the you know, the moments were like moving so quickly that they decided to just throw him, you know, in the back of the car and rush him to the hospital. And they say that ten minutes in between fourteen ten to fourteen minutes it took for them to get to the young boy's site where he was 
And when they arrived to the hospital, the little boy lost his life. And they said that they really had to make this snap decision. They say he was bleeding profusely. And they were like, they knew he was bleeding. They were, you know, he was bleeding. They knew that the ambulance could give him oxygen, could give him IV fluids. They could perform CPR. But they were like, listen, there was no point in just letting him die on the street. So, and that was from the paramedic. Medic made that statement, you know, that there was no point in letting him die. So they... He understood the move of the police officers to actually, you know, go ahead and put him in the car and take him straight to the hospital themselves. So they say that this has really gone into the second year of this increase during this time of the day, they like for some reason there's this heightened uh, delay during this time of the day with the ambulance like responding and getting to the the locations of the you know incidences and these are life threatening emergencies, but. You know, what are you going to do? So they've been fussing with the mayor's office to do something about this. Now, we just got finished talking not that long ago about the situation with, you know, the EMS and, you know, how they have now had to start hiring more people just to be on the back of the bus to ensure the safety of EMS workers. And, you know, so now you're going from, you know, making sure that they're safe, you're putting extra people on one bus, and there needs to be an entire different bus. So I don't know, you know, what we're going to do, but this was something, you know, to, uh, to, this is something to be concerned with. This is definitely something to be concerned with because, you know, for something at that time of the day, you know, years ago, I used to believe that, you know, the, you know, remember the night hours were always the peak times. Well, if, they're having problems in the afternoon, then what's happening at the quote-unquote peak time? Oh. I don't know, everybody. You know, it seems to be like we're just migrating from one one issue straight to the next issue. And this is pretty scary. This is pretty scary. Hmm. I was trying to wait for our girl Vivian to 
come on so she can give us our wow stories of the day. But while we wait for her, there's this other story, and, and this is something that, oh, okay, she's calling in now, so I don't want to start another story, but uh, let's, you know, keep that in prayer. Let's keep that in prayer that, you know, this uh, emergency, this EMS situation improves so that we don't lose more lives in the delay. Now, they're not saying it's traffic, necessarily. They're saying it's just emergencies. They're being delayed. So let's keep that lifted in prayer, okay? All right. Well, thank God our girl Vivian is okay. So let's say good morning. Good morning, Viv. Good morning. Happy Wild Wednesday. How are you, Pastor Steph? I am okay, thanks. How are you? I'm well, thank you. Good, good, good. What you got for us today? Alrighty, today on Socially Conscious, we are starting off with a story that parents and children both need to be aware of. A Delaware man is accused of kidnapping and 11-year-old girl from Pasiak County after the two met online playing roadblocks. Officials say 27-year-old Darius Madewich met the victim while playing roadblocks online. Roadblocks has more than 54 million users each day, and they say nearly half of them are under the age of 13. It was determined that Madewitch met up with the child and transported her 135 miles away from Wayne to Bear, Delaware, without her parents knowing. Authorities have not yet released how the girl was taken from her home or how he got her address. Authorities were called at around 6.45 a.m. on September 10th for a report of a missing child. Thankfully, she was found soon after. There is no word on whether she was harmed in any way. Of course, this is something that needs attention because, as they said, 54 million users and about 27 million of those are children under the age of 13. So make sure you talk to your kids, maybe set some rules, maybe thinking about they can't play the game unless they're in the presence of an adult or something because we don't really think that our kids playing Roblox, that they would meet up with uh, an adult. You know, you might think that that will happen on, like, social media and things like that, but even Roblox. So make sure that you're talking to your kids and you're explaining these rules to them because they're finding every way to get to these kids. So speaking of the kiddos, California governor is making headlines yet again as he just signed a bill that will require cursive instruction in first through sixth grade again. Research shows there are benefits to cursive writing, one being handwriting actually activates different parts of the brain 
that do not get activated when printing block letters or typing. They say a lot of the um, neurodiverse and disabled kids that they do better with cursive. They said that they that there's something to do with a different part of the brain. That's the same part you use for drawing and those flowing movements when writing in cursive can really help kids. So thanks to Governor Newsom signing AB 446, that's the name of the law, learning cursive is going to be placed back in school. So this will be a new skill for students and actually thinking about it for some teachers as well. I don't know how long it's been since cursive has been in schools. And a lot of these newer teachers may not have had to learn it either. So he's bringing it back, and that is um, hopefully it'll help a lot of kids. Next, we have New York City Mayor Eric Adams, who has just announced on Monday that he is limiting shelter stays for migrant families with children to 60 days, hoping to ease the pressure on the city housing system, overwhelmed by the large number of asylum seekers over the past year. The Democrat office said it will begin sending 60-day notices to migrant families with children in shelters to seek other places to live. It also will provide intensified casework services to help families secure new housing. According to a news release, they say that the mayor last month limited adult migrants to just 30 days in city-run facilities. So he's given single people 30 days, and he's given families with children 60 days in the shelter. And they're hoping that this will stop overcrowding. And we do know that you know, we told the story a couple of weeks ago about the right to shelter law, that they just excluded migrants. So all of this is being done in a way to help regain some control and order to this situation. So we'll see how that pans out. Next, we are out in Jersey with our next story. Reports say Jersey City is suing the state and hopes to Stop police officers from using weed. They say up until two years ago, Jersey City police were arresting people caught smoking marijuana. But now cops are fighting for the chance to legally consume the drug while off duty. They say the city has been supportive of the state's marijuana laws passed two years ago but they are now calling for a federal judge to make it clear that police officers are not allowed to use marijuana even when off duty. The city just fired five police officers who tested positive for using pot. Officials made that decision because police officers are required to carry guns and federal law prohibits anyone from carrying a gun if they use marijuana, which is still listed as a Schedule One drug. So the fired officers have sued, claiming state law allows them to use marijuana, which has now created a contradiction. 
The mayor says the state of New Jersey doesn't have what they call carve-outs, which prohibit people in various professions from using marijuana, such as bus drivers, child care workers, and other emergency service personnel. The mayor says every state where pot is legal has these carve-out rules, but New Jersey does not. So Mayor Fulop is concerned that the city could face big lawsuits if a cop is involved in an incident and tests positive for marijuana. So, of course, we always want to hear from you. You know, this is something we've spoke about here on the Zoo Town with Pastor Steph before. When they started legalizing marijuana, they didn't think about all the little, um, you know, details. So should cops and and pretty much at the end of the day, other city uh, service workers be permitted to smoke weed since it is now legal? Or should they continue to fight this case in hopes of stopping police and others from legally being able to consume weed on their off hours? So now we have our wild story of the week. Rikers Island has been in and out of the news, and it's mostly not for good reasons. <laughs> and today they follow the same trend, hitting the headlines as reports say New York City investigators discovered a secret lounge filled with leather couches, a giant TV screen, and a stash of correction department equipment. They say employees from the Department of Correction allegedly built a secret lounge stocked with stolen equipment inside Rockers Island Jail. So the lounge was stocked with unused snowblowers, air conditioners, and other supplies that could have been used in the jail. They say while incarcerated people suffered in heat emergencies, and non-air-conditioned cells. Facilities are crumbling from the lack of repair, and programming is cut for budget reasons. All the while, staff were hiding taxpayer-funded supplies behind hidden walls. They don't say if the items were sold or taken home for personal use, but they were just hidden purposely of course, some of it was being used in this secret lounge, but there were a lot of items that were just sitting there. So they have been talking about shutting down Rikers Island for a while now. And this blatant disregard of rules, laws, and prisoners just adds to the list of reasons to shut it down. But this has been Vivian with Socially Conscious, giving you the news that we are following. And remember, if you have any wild stories you would like to submit, please feel free to direct message me on Facebook. My username there is Vivian BM. And come back every Wednesday to find out if your story has been chosen. Thank you, as always, to our loyal listeners. And thank you, Pastor Steph. Thank you, Vivian. You know, I... (laughs) Each week you say, and now for our wild story. And I'm saying to myself, 
wait a minute. The story she just gave was a wild story. <laughs> How much wilder can we get? Oh, my goodness gracious. Well, thank you so much for <laughs> for your socially conscious segment. And as always, we ask you to just hang around in the wings just in case. You know, if you can, we need some additional information or clarification. Thank you so much. Thank you. You're welcome. All right. Have a blessed day. Thank you. All right. <laughs> You're welcome. <clears throat> Let's say good morning to our ladies. Good morning, Elder Tisha. Good morning. Good morning. How are you today? Okay, thanks. How are you? I am good. Really happy to be on this week with our listeners and all my sisters. Amen. Amen. So happy to have you on with us as well. So, I'm sure you've heard of this Roblox uh, thing that all the kids are playing, and surprisingly, at least for me, I don't know about for you, I don't know a whole lot about Roblox, but definitely not realizing that there could be some level of interaction with adults, and out of the 54 million users, Vivian said, you know, at least half of that, those users are under the age of 13 to the point where you have this degree of underage users, but yet a Delaware man could actually get to an 11-year-old and transport her away. Oh, what's happening here? You you know, all of these interactive games, um, I think, are scary because, you know, when we grew up, we played games that allowed us to be safe within our home. We played them with ourselves or with our friends, you know, right next to us. But now we continue to open up the world to our children. And I think that is so scary because the world literally can come right into your living room via the internet now, via games, mm-hmm. uh, via social media. And so the access that children have nowadays is really scary. And I do think parents have to be vigilant around monitoring and even making decisions that say, you know what, that's just too much access um, to the world and too much of the world having access to, to you know, your child and really make some decisions about these things. And I think it's okay. Our kids don't have to be um, a part of everything. You know what I mean? We have to teach our kids and help our kids to understand that I I understand that this is a trend and most of your friends are playing it and all this other kind of stuff, but you're not going to play it. (laughs) It's not not for you. And and the game in and of itself appears to be harmless, right, I, I guess. You know, the purpose of the game seemingly is to uh, position the car to stop bad guys from leaving or something like that. I just, it just uh, it's, it's too much. We're exposing our children to too much and giving them too much uh, leeway 
to make their own rules. What, what, where's the fear of, I used to be scared of my, of my grandmother. <laughs> like, I was scared. Yeah. Like, you know, this idea of, okay, you know, I'm just going to go ahead and jump in this car and I'll be back by dinner. I would have never. At 13 years old, you know, not thinking that you're going to get in trouble. So there, you know, and there needs to also from the federal and state level, there needs to be some governance around these games in terms of the interaction, the age limitations. I don't think one game should be open to range from 10-year-olds to 55-year-olds. That just don't make sense. So, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, the, 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 the parameters, you know, are just crazy. They're definitely out of control. Let's say good morning to our girl, Lady Tamika, and see what she has to say about this Roblox and the ability to connect another ability to connect uh, adults with our children via the Internet. Good morning, Lady Tamika. Good morning and happy Wow Wednesday to you. How are you today? I am well, thank you. I'm well. Happy Wow Wednesday to you as well. How are you? I am well, thank you. Just listening to all these stories. Like you just ah, you just never get enough. Like just when you think, you know, um that it's that, that it's done, there's something else new. Oh wait, there's more. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, yeah. What do you have to say about this, you know, Roblox and, you know, the connection yet again from our, you know, between our children and our adults? The coming age um, has caused um, our children to be exposed in a way that we never even fathomed or ever thought of. You know, back in the day when we were little, you know, we played with dolls, you know, we played with each other, you know, we watched television, you know, and there's so much that now it's so easy for people to get access to your children. And these games are so, so uh, volatile, you know, even with things that are coming up, you know, they changed Facebook to Mega. And um, now there is actually something that you can do virtually. You know, you can create an avatar and become something else and be actually out. Mm -hmm. So let's just say you wanted to see a Broadway play. You can actually be there in your home, you know, and still have access. So we're just coming to the the, the beginning of what people can do, you know, and it's, it's, it's concerning. You have to in a different way. You know, I remember back in the day, mama guarded us, you know, there were things that you didn't do or places that you didn't go, you know, and even certain ways as a child, you couldn't hold your body because you were concerned about, you know, people looking at you and, and, and attire. You now, now you have to do even farther than that. In your home, you have to guard your children, what, what it is that they watch, who they're speaking to. You can't just, you know, leave them on television, you know, let the television babysit because you don't even know what they're watching. You know, they're, they're on their phones, you know. Now, at this point, they're not playing with dolls. They're on their phone, and they have access to everything all at one time. And so you have to be so very careful on what they're doing. You know, check on them. You know, check it. Hey, what is it? What is, let me see your phone. 
you know, let, let me let me check your history, you know, and it's important that you do that. Not only just history, what are you doing? You know, at, inquire. Let me see what let me see what it is that you're doing. What's your plan? You know, because it's so very easy for someone who is a predator to get access to your child. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I actually didn't even realize that they could actually infiltrate. Oh, goodness gracious. Ah, let's let's say thank you so much for joining us this morning. Let's say good morning to our girl, Shantice. Good morning, Shantice. Good morning. (laughs) How are you? I'm fine, thank you. How are you? Good, that's good. I'm well, thank you, I'm well. You know, this roadblocks thing, did you realize that there could actually be someone else on the opposite line who's an adult? Yes, and it's disgusting. And I was watching a video of, it's this girl I follow on Instagram, she is hilarious. And she, one of her videos was about, like, she was comparing the kids from, like, I think she's a millennial. So the kids from our era when we were kids versus the kids of today. And in the background, she had a picture of kids playing at the fire hydrant outside. And she was like, yo, what's up with these days? Like, I remember me breaking my leg. My mother told me to go walk it off, like, whatever. She's like, y'all kids don't even know what it is to play outside anymore. And it was so much safer to let your kids play outside and run up and down the block and you're not the parent wasn't even sitting outside versus your child being behind a device, which is so remedial when you think about it on face value. It's like, how was it safer for your kids to be outside back in the day playing in the street where someone could just randomly be walking by and snatch your kid versus your kid being behind a device? But it's just so, it's so much like the risk is so much higher now versus back then. And for many different reasons. For one, when we were outside playing, the whole block watched you. So even if your parents weren't outside, uh, Miss Lewis, Mr. So-and-so, Mrs. So-and-so, they older grandkids, uh, your old babysitter from when you were in kindergarten, everybody watching you. Everybody's watching you. The, the, the people who don't like your parents, they still got their eye on you. Versus now, as it was said, now for the most part, parents just put, their kids in front of these devices and they walk off, they don't know what they're doing. The kids get to wear headphones now, all this. It, it's crazy. And, and I agree. I, I believe Ellen Matisha said it. There needs to be something going on where they're able to highly screen who's playing this. Because I agree. Why is someone in elementary school playing with someone who has an AARP card? Like, this is, this doesn't make any sense. Why are you playing this? and you have an AARP card. Like, why are you even playing these games? But it's it's, it's ridiculous. And I, I don't know how many stories parents are going to have to hear before there's a drastic change in how parents allow these kids to play with these devices and on these games and who they're talking to. And it's, it's just too much. It's, it's way too much. You know, one of my thoughts, ladies, 
we have we have two issues. We have the issue that was raised with who's actually you know on the game, who's playing, versus my child. And Elder and I teacher brought it up. You are literally someone can actually talk you out your house. Mm-hmm. Or can literally talk you out. That means you didn't got up. You didn't put your clothes on. You didn't snuck down some steps or through the door. I don't. I, I'm, I'm trying to figure out what's the bigger challenge here. You know what I'm saying? It's like I, I envision the three girls that I had actually, you know, there's this adult that you know who actually got access to them through a device. They couldn't see him or her, but yet. He or she could talk them out of the house. I'm like, oh my God, that is the the scariest thing I I I I, I can imagine. So it's bad enough you actually are on this game playing with a person you don't know, you know, and you actually now did you did you pretend to be another kid? You know that you were, you know, uh, coercing this child to come out, and you know, so you said certain things to get them out of the house. And it wasn't until she was out the house that she realized that she was some fifty-five year old person or whatever age you know you were. But that that's that's scary. That's scary to me, and. You know, again, it goes back to know what your kid is doing on this device. Because if you knew who they were talking to, you know, and Shanti said, you know, says these these headsets. I know when Mariah, you know, when she goes, and I said, no, 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 Mm-mm. you don't need no headsets. You know, I'm trying to mm-hmm. know that's all right. Well, we're going to figure this out. We're going to be in the same room because I need to know. You know, who you talking to? I need to hear what's going on on the other side. Who's saying what? Is it Wincy? Is it Mary? Is it, you know, Darla or whoever it is? I need to be able to hear this because this is, this, this is scary. This is really, really, really something that we really got to make sure we're paying attention to because these children who leave the home willingly, to meet these people, like I said, are they portraying that they're another child? Even if you are another child, you didn't left this house to go with a child you don't even know. Mm-hmm. With a child, so you know, there's a lot of conversations that need to be had over and over and over and over and over and over and over again, and there needs to be a lot more monitoring so that you actually know who's on the other end of this this game with your child. Oh, boy. All right. We have, now this is interesting, this cursive writing. We have talked about this in private. We have talked about this on it's the time of how, you know, you don't even learn how to write a script anymore. And now you have this California uh, governor who says, you know what, 
they understand that, you know, writing in cursive actually utilizes a part of the brain that is clearly not, is underutilized. But the disabled individuals are benefiting from this area of, of the brain usage. You know, the drawing, if you notice a lot of um, uh, disabled um, people can draw and they're very creative and things like that. So, you know, throw, throw this back up in the school because now you've got something more than just learning how to write in script. Lady Tamika, what are we talking about here? Honestly, I'm not really surprised. You know, um, I feel like, you know, I remember the, the struggling just trying to learn how to write cursive. I, I recall, you know, them coming by. They would come by each desk, and, and if you didn't have your hand a certain way and you didn't hold the pen a certain way, you know, they would take the pen out of your hand and try and get you either to, you know, um, change your wrist or, um, you know, they would wow. hold the pen a certain way so that you would write accurately. I remember oh. all of that. You know, um, and I think it is still important, you know. Um, I, I just realized um, a couple of years ago that my own sibling, who we're only two years apart, he absolutely has no idea how to write cursive. I remember, you know, signing some documents, um, trying to handle some things with our current home, and I kept saying, well, write it in cursive. And he's looking at me like, I am writing in cursive. I'm like, no, that's the same thing you just wrote. There should be a difference. And he was literally perplexed on what it was that I was talking about. I was like, to the same school. How is it that you wow, wow. You know, but I, 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 you know, um, and, you know, I, I really do believe that there are some things that are, and, and now, you know, now after all this time frame, now you realize, okay, oh, we might have made a mistake. You know, the same thing with, you know, trying to tell time. There are children and youth that absolutely, if they don't have it digitally, they can't tell you that yep. the big hand is on the 12 yep. and the little hand is on the 6. That yep. means it's 6 o'clock. No, they're completely confused. You know, and I remember um, the watches that they used to have that didn't have numbers at all. The swatch watch. So it just had all these, yep. you know, fake signals or designs or, you know, um, flat. And, you know, there were a lot of children that were like, oh, I'll never learn that because it's just so complicated. But if you know in your brain, you know, count 12 to 12, you can figure it out, you know. So, uh, you know, I, I I think that you know, th- we did the world a disservice when we said, oh, well, you know, we're going to take that out of the curriculum. And the more we keep taking things out, you'll find later on, years later, oh, you know, now now we realize the the importance of that. Yeah, yeah. Shanti, millennial, writing. It's about time. I'm seeing so many young people, and I'm looking at their handwriting, and I'm like, oh, my goodness. If they didn't let you be promoted because of your penmanship, a lot of people would be left back back in, like, sick. And it's like they – I don't know if they started feeling like that's not important. You know, like, okay, as long as you memorize the work, but you, you know, you don't really have to write legible. You know, that doesn't really matter in the real world. And it really does. It really does. Not only that, I don't, I'm not sure, 
you know, how the curriculum is now or anything, but one of the things that comes to mind is we were made to, when I was in school, we had to write a lot. You know, elementary school, regardless of, of the subject, you had to write. Even in math sometimes, you had to, like, write out the problem a lot of times. And when you're required to do a lot of writing, that's a lot of practicing. So not only is your script improving, but your print is improving as well. So I don't know if they're not really implementing a lot of writing, you know, um, but already you have these kids stuck behind these devices where not only are they not literally writing, but now everything is abbreviated because you got all these LOLs, that's a nation, all this other stuff. Um, I even have to tell my niece a lot of time, no, don't be putting LOL. You want to put an L, then write, laugh out loud. Don't be just putting no LOL. You you, you want to start spelling stuff because <laughs> next thing you know now, you'll be in high school and now you don't know how to spell laugh. No, no. Okay, get it together. Write, write, laugh out loud. You want to put SMH, no, write out shaking my head. You, you want to write out everything. Um, so I don't, I'm not sure if they're really making the students write a lot, but I'm, I'm seeing some some kids and even some adults now, and I'm like, goodness gracious, when are we? And then you'll start learning the different weathers and the bears, the more you have to write. So it, it does matter in the real world. So I'm, I'm happy that they're, you know, pushing this to now be a requirement in school again. All right. Elder Nisha. I'm the right in cursive again. Yeah, I, I think that that's a uh, a great thing. Um, you know what? It, it's not until right now, as I am listening to this conversation, that I recognize some of the other effects of child abuse. And here's the thing. Because of the fact that my mother was always intoxicated and stuff like that, she kept me out of school a lot. So my handwriting... Mm was horrible and I do not wow. know how to write um, cursive and so I've always just blamed it on the wow. fact that oh I'm a nurse and nurses don't write me <laughs> wow 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 but but, uh, but the truth is and, and because you know we, we we know some of the the emotional hurts and you know it's an, an impact of child abuse but when a child is kept out of school at those very important stages, you realize by the time I was taken away from my mother and uh, put with my grandmother, I was in the final year of junior high school going into high school. So mm. I missed all of that practice in right. fifth grade right. of writing and stuff like right. that. Right. I'm, I missed it. So it's, it's something to... Um, Something to to, uh, to, wow. to kind of just be aware of, I guess. But yes, I think that it is super important, um, and I, it's just beautiful, you know, to be able to. to I had to teach myself as an adult, uh, as a young adult, how to sign my name. At first, I was just writing my name in print both times. It said signature. I wrote my name in print, <laughs> and then wow, when it was wow, print, I wrote wow. my name in print. And so then I had to teach myself how to uh, even write my name in cursive. So I am so glad that this is being brought back into into school. I do think that it is a beautiful skill to have, and I agree with uh, with uh, Shantice, what she talked about with um, just what it does for your for grammar and for your ability to identify. Uh, the right spelling of words, you know, so your grammar and stuff like that is highly impacted by it. So I think it's a great thing. 
Wow. You know, I, I tell the story a lot of times here. You know, as an HR person, um, also who was responsible for creating a lot of forms and things like that, I, I got an opportunity to see a lot of things that just were no longer in effect. And I'll never forget giving, it was, it was a millennial kid. Um, you know, I gave him a form, and it had print, and it had signature. And when Mark brought it back, he had written, wrote, printed on both lines. And I said, Mark, you have to sign here. And he was like, come on, staff. And kind of busted up. And I was like, no, for real, you got to sign. He was like, all right, staff, I don't know how to sign. And I was like, wow, that was the first time I had ever heard that there was someone who, at his age, who did not know how to how to sign his name. I knew that they had stopped the cursive writing, but didn't realize they had gone back that far. I was like, "Wow, okay." Now to hear that you know this actually taps into a part of the brain, the creative part of the brain. It makes sense. It makes sense. I remember my mother when you beautiful handwriting. Oh my God! And, and you know what? She wrote on everything. Oh my God! She wrote on everything. She wrote on my pants legs. She wrote on my sheets. She wrote in the back of books. She wrote on everything. And when you think about it, there, there is, you know, when you write in script, there is, you know, I remember when she used to write. Mm-hmm. There was a, there was a concentration. That she she would really and you could tell she was thinking about that thing, and to hear that you know there's this this creative side to it, it doesn't surprise me because when you think about mm-hmm. people who you know those of us who like really write the script, there was that creative you know we created our own ways to make our T's and our S's mm-hmm. and the G's mm-hmm. and you know so there was a lot of creativity behind that. So I'm just happy that. Somebody saying, you know what, not only, you know, something that we need, you know, but, hey, you know what, this is actually tapping into a part of the brain that's really going unutilized. And think about what will happen when we start teaching our children. You remember now, this is all about the brain development. What will happen, you know, as time goes on? So this is just great. Uh, thank you, the Californians who are just doing some stuff. Every week, Vinny is talking about something else that California is doing. So thank you. All right. I know you want to talk about this, this, this shelter thing with the 60 and the 30 days because we've talked about this, and, again, we've all said, where are people supposed to go? So we're going to bypass that story. But I do want to talk about this Jersey City Police Department who's having this issue because they can't smoke weed. Oh, what? We're going to start with these because I'm really, you know what? It's crazy. This is crazy. Who did you call, Pastor Steph? You, Shanti. Oh, okay. <laughs> it's, you know, we were having this conversation 
<laughs> last night. I invited someone somewhere, and they were like, oh, that's cool. That sounds dope. Is it weed friendly? And I just stared at the text. What? And I'm like... I, I didn't I didn't I had to immediately tap into Jesus Christ of Nazareth because two 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 different things two different things were going through my mind. On one end I thought it was very respectful that you asked because I have been to multiple places and people just assume that everywhere is weed friendly and the next thing you know you look to your left and someone's rolling up right next to you. On the other end, I'm thinking, I'm analyzing this whole invite. And one of the things I really analyzed was the time. I'm inviting you somewhere oh that is not first God. thing in the morning. It is, not as, it is not at sunrise, which means that 10 out of 10, you're going to smoke before you leave your house. And you still want to know if where we're going is weed-friendly, like you haven't smoked yet for the day. And it's, like, very concerning. So I was talking to my friends about it, and I was like, God, please, if I'm being critical, if I'm criticizing, please forgive me because you've been on me about this criticizing thing. But it, it's just, like, really blow mine at, at this point. And one of my friends said something to the effect of, well, I don't understand why they don't, why it's not considered something. And I said, no, weed smokers don't consider themselves drug addicts, which are, because they don't consider weed a drug, which it is. Oh, he said something like, why don't, why don't they think they're addicted to this? Why don't they think they're addicted? I said, because they don't, they don't consider themselves doing a drug or a drug addict. But when you have to ask if where you're going is weed friendly, it's a problem. So now, here it is. You're someone who is supposed to be, and a lot of these cops, 95% of them forget that you are supposed to protect and serve. Your job is to serve whatever community you have been placed in. How are you protecting anybody and serving them if you got to go get something to eat because you're high, or you're fell asleep because you're high, or you're tweaking because you're high. You're, who are you protecting and serving? Why is this a priority? Because even when you're off duty, you're on duty, especially if you're still allowed to carry your weapon. So now i got to worry about someone who is automatically licensed to carry their weapon now is in an altered mindset because you are not sober-minded. You are not clear-headed. Despite what you believe, weed does not help you think better. It <laughs> impairs everything. Because if you leave it to them, weed helps you drive better. It helps you think better. It helps you make better decisions. Let, let them tell it. Despite popular belief, it does the exact opposite. So now, and you know, I, and I've been saying this for the longest, because around this area, one of the areas that I despise, if I could just throw a bomb on the corner and let it go off and whoever's standing there, like, I'll just say, 
if you're smart, move, and whoever don't move, when you get blown up. I hate this particular corner. And cops are always standing there, and the, the people who smoke and sell weed are not even a foot away from them. And I said, these cops are either buying or selling with them, because there's no way I could be standing this close to you, and I don't do this. I don't partake in this in any way on any level, and I'm just standing here, la, 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 and I'm supposed to be patrolling. I don't even want to smell that. This this is a real issue for you not to be able to smoke. You should automatically get fired. As a cop, you are supposed to be on point at all times. I don't understand why this is an issue. It, 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 but see, you, you legalize stuff, and you think you have control as to how far it goes, and this is just another way to prove you don't have control as to how far it goes. Because now the cops want to know why they don't have rights, a right to smoke weed on or off duty. Mm. This is beyond ridiculous. Mm. Woo! I'm blown away by the first part of, uh, of your statement. Oh, Sean, uh, uh, Elden Tisha. <laughs> You know, there used to be there, there used to be a a pride and a standard with uh, particular professions, right? Police officers were uh, upstanding citizens that were set aside from the community to protect and to serve, and there was a standard that was associated with um, and a moral conduct that was necessary, not just while you were in public but also with how you conducted your life that allowed you to be set aside um, in order to take on that responsibility. And we as a society have just completely, completely lost um, that, that regard to the profession so that we can now be at a place where you can have these individuals who are supposed to be set aside from, from the community so that they are able to protect and serve, who are now saying, hey, we want our rights to smoke weed, too. What is happening? Mm, mm, mm. <laughs> no, that mercy. Oh, my God. What? Oh. We, 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 uh, standards. Uh, we have no standards, no boundaries. We ju- everybody just want to, you know, I, I just, I don't understand. <laughs> I, don't, I don't understand. No, it, no. I think it is, it is a sad telling of the state of humanity, the state of, of this world, where no longer do we um, look at who we are as people, look at the positions we hold, and place a pride, a sense of pride for the work that we do and take it seriously. And, and we've seen that. Right? We've seen the deterioration of that. We saw when officers used to walk through the neighborhoods and, and speak to people and help old ladies with their groceries and things of that nature to now cops just sitting in their patrol cars and won't even get out of the car. Mm-hmm. If they are assigned mm-hmm. to a community, they will not even get mm-hmm. out of the car anymore. They will mm-hmm. sit in the daggone in the, in the mm-hmm. car with their heads in the phone. You could get robbed right in front of the cops, and they don't even see it or notice that it happened. <laughs> oh, Lord, have mercy. We've just gone so far. <laughs> wow. Lady Tamika. 
Yes, ma'am. <laughs> oh, my, my, my goodness. Uh, my head is literally like pounding. Boom, boom, boom. I'm just looking at all of just the everyday occurrences that can go completely awry when you don't follow the rules. You just decide that you you want to do whatever it is that you want to do. You know, So you want to be able to have services or, you know, whatever, whatever the case is. Okay, so I'll give you an instance. Recently, I walked into a writing, um, and there was an officer standing where the fingernail polish was. His phone is literally, he had his arms extended, his arms braced on the fingernail thing, and, like, I'm watching anything could have happened in that it occurs. We understand that our writing are under attack. They are in the process of being closed down because there are a lot of sudden robberies where people come in, they, they grab a bunch of stuff, and they leave. Now, how is it that you're focusing if you're watching your phone? You know, and so we're just talking about your phone. You know, I've seen instances where I walked into a bank. The security guard or the officer that there is supposed to govern those that are coming in and going out so that my safety is, you know, guaranteed. Again, phone, you know, so we're talking about phone, you know. Now we're talking, I remember a long time ago, um, I got access. My roommate in college was a weed smoker, and I was not. There were alternate weekends that I would just go and spend time with my family. Well, this particular weekend, I forgot my sneakers, and I needed to go back to get my sneakers. When I came into the room, the room was lit with weed. And I thought I was fine. I was like, well, okay, I'll just hold my breath, get my sneakers and leave. Well, <laughs> um, I caught what they call contact. So that means the after effects of smoking or um, just, being, just having access to weed. Now, when I tell you my mind went on an extreme, I got paranoia. I was dreaming about things I, I, that I had never phantomed before. And so this is just with a little exposure. You're talking about somebody who's inhaling it, and and you don't know what their how it's going to affect their body. We have seen instances where an adult shot a child. We have seen instances where um, it destroyed them internally. We have seen instances where other people are affected. We have seen instances where your judgment is now altered because you have a drug in your system, and now you say oh, well, it's just okay. Unfortunately, the mindset now for weed, because it's now legal, is that it's recreational. Not understanding that you are causing destruction to your body, um, you are causing um, safety issues with those that you come in contact with, your judgment is now altered, and we keep putting the the horse before the cart. And so, I'm sorry, the cart before the horse and just expecting things to move. We're causing destruction and disaster. When we decide, oh, well, we'll just, you know, we'll put it out there and then we'll put a guideline later. We don't, we, it seems like we, everything that we do is re- reactionary. We'll put a law because this happened, as opposed to thinking about it and then trying to govern the law now. Now, all of a sudden, you know, you let everybody else do it, so why can't we do it? No, I don't think that that's fair, and I don't think that that's right. And you can't keep me safe if you can't even focus on your own stuff. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh, I, 
I'm I'm pretty speechless here. You know, this really speaks for the deterioration of mankind. Period. It really mm-hmm. it really speaks for the deterioration of mankind where we drink and we use drugs regardless of what the drug is. We drink and we use drugs, things that are intoxicants. There would be no reason to use these things. You were going to stay the same. You purposely drink and you use drugs, regardless of the drug. Just because it's legal, that means that it, it, it won't alter. How has it come to the point? I mean, it's kind of like a rhetorical question here on a Christian, you know, podcast. We've gotten to the point where we just dismiss the fact that it's an intoxicant, whether it's a little intoxicating or it's a major intoxicant. It is intoxicating. And the fact that you, Vivian even mentioned bus drivers, and, you know, these are the people that are really, you know, you hold people's lives in your hand. You are carrying a gun, and you think it's fine. You would lock someone up to become intoxicated and do something that they did not intend to do, but they did it anyway. You would arrest them and lock them up. You want the right to be able to do what they do. And, 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 and I'm just done. I, I'm, I'm so lost as to how we don't make the, the there's no association here. I, I, I'm just blown away. I am blown away. And ironically, I'm going to move us into, because the wild story is just the one where we've talked about this condition over at Rikers Island, and this is just another level of what we're talking about here. And it's last night when I saw this particular topic, I said to myself, I said, Vivian's going to find her way to work us right into this this year. We're going to walk right into this. And one of the things <laughs> that, you know, um, or the, the topic at hand today before us is ways to respect yourself. And if we ain't just get finished talking about this here, I don't think we'll, I mean, Elder Nitisha, you know, mentioned it, uh, Shantice mentioned it, you know, what happened to yesterday where this was your frame of mind? When you took the job, this was your thought process. Well, we're going to talk about ways to respect yourself and 
you ladies always do such a, a great job. <laughs> One of the things that, and, and we're, not, we're sliding right into this, no big introduction. One of the ways that they list that you show respect for yourself is when you respect your body. They say by acknowledging that you are fearfully and wonderfully made. You acknowledge the fact that you are fearfully and wonderfully made and that you do not Hate or abuse your body. That's what I said. I can't believe we're walking straight into this level of the conversation, and we have it where we're starting with you, Elder Nightisha, with the first leg of this topic. I agree that loving yourself um, definitely uh, starts with respecting yourself, and I think that this is a great place even to plug in. Um, the importance of taking care of your body, right, which uh, I agree with you, Pastor Steph, that we're walking right into some of the topics we've just discussed because taking care of your body, being mindful of what you put in your body, being mindful of the aches and the pains that you feel in your body, not just ignoring them but actually going and getting yourself checked, that is true self-care. This idea of self-care just being, uh, going to the spa, having meditation moments, and <laughs> stage in your house, like all of that, like it's, oh, it's, it's so superficial. The things now that we advertise as self-care, love, and respect for oneself is so superficial. No, loving and caring mm. for yourself is sitting at the feet of Jesus and allowing him to uproot some of the things that have broken you, mm. forgiving people. Like, it, it's self-care, mm. respect, love for yourself is how you're able to deal with your relationship. Are you honorable? Do you have integrity? Are you able to apologize? Are you able to self-reflect? Are you able to take a step back, take ownership when you've made a mistake, come back and make it right? That's true self-care. That's true self-love. And so absolutely it is God's will and desire that we stop being superficial, but that we actually begin to respect ourselves by monitoring what the, the, the inner work looks like. How, how does it, you know, taking weed and altering your, your, your cognitive ability, how does that allow you to be productive? That's a form of escape. That there is no self-love mm. by indulging in alcohol and in drugs. That's escaping. That's mm. finding something else to lean and depend on when God says, I want to be your mm. sole person that you depend mm-hmm. on and that you lean on. Mm. Oh, wonderful star, wonderful star. Lady Tamika, you know, showing showing that you respect yourself. I'm fearfully and wonderfully made, and I'm watching how I treat my body. Right. And so that entails so very much. It's a very, you know, it seems like it might just be a minor, but it's very broad. That means governing everything, what we put in our bodies, you know, what we expose ourselves to, environments that we place ourselves in that could cause damage to ourselves or for those that we come in contact with, you know, 
Um, even some, even so much as what you wear. You know, I, I have found that even today's attire has changed. You know, trying to find some decent, moderate attire has changed. You know, it seems like, especially for women, um, articles of clothing are getting littler and littler, and, you know, you're exposing more and more of yourself, not even recognizing, you know, that, you know, in your settings outside, um, you might just be doing you, you know, trying to engage in your everyday living, but in actuality, you've opened yourself up to someone who um, is a predator or, you know, and, and just in your, you know, I'm just, hey, I just got on the tank top, you know, and, and unfortunately, um, you know, somebody out there is, is, you know, trying to get a hold of you, you know, and it could be to your demise, you know. Um, so it's not just what we eat, what we wear, what we watch, what we listen to, who we engage with, all of that plays a role in, you know. Um, um, and even just, you know, friends of friends, you just have to be very, very careful and allow God to govern you in every step. Ah, Shanti. You know, respecting yourself starts with who you are as an individual, that body, that temple of the Lord. Oh, man. Yeah, God just took me through that. He ain't done with me. He took me through the initial. And now that he's teaching me how to look at myself through his eyes, you know, you see how you just misuse your body so much. You know, like Lady Tanika brought up, you know, even with the clothing and, you know, like, oh, what we put in our bodies and when you think of, well, when I think of all the time, you know, all the alcohol and, you know, hookah and weed and, you know, all the stuff that you put in your, your body and you're just thinking of it as a good time for right now, and then you think about when you get older, and if you keep this up, you may not have a lot when you get older, you know. And now when you introduce the God, you know, God incident, it's like why are we now taking the body that God has blessed us with? You know, there's so many people who, you know, a lot of times we look at our body and we see imperfections, but there's so many people who would kill who have two arms, two legs, all ten fingers, all ten toes, and yet we're using these body, we're using these limbs to now just ingest all of these toxins, you know, or, or to present them, you know, at face value, just to have people look at your body and be like, okay, what's going on there? And, again, when you're just thinking about how it pleases you, or like Elder Natisha said, when you, you're using your body to mask, all of the issues you have going on mentally and emotionally, you just, you don't understand how you're tearing your body up, how you're tearing it up. And I, I must say, and I will publicly say this now that God has me on this whole transformation thing, especially with the dressing, you know, I've really learned to appreciate the meaning of modesty, you know, and covering up. Now, I would have never thought in a million years that I would enjoy looking for clothing that covered my body parts. Like, this, this is, like, amazing. Like, wow, like, you could cover this up and still feel good and look nice. Wow, this, this is crazy. But when you're not looking at yourself through a reasonable pair of eyes, 
you know, uh, common sense pair of eyes, you know, upstanding pair of eyes. You just tear yourself up and down. And it's not until you start really taking God's invite and tap into him. If you don't do that, you're not going to understand how you're just destroying yourself second by second. Mm, all right. I like this one lady to meet up. It says, I'm, I respect myself by being grateful for the gifts, talents, and abilities that God has given me. Oh, yes. Um, we are uh, wonderfully and um, fearfully made. God created us a certain way for a certain reason, you know, and it took me a, a while to realize, you know, those things that make us different are for a reason and a purpose and a cause. Um, and it's not good for us to resent those things. The reason why you seem to thrive in one specific area when everybody else is in another area is because you have an assignment, you know, and I've, I've spoken um, ad nauseum about an assignment and we do have work, you know, and so um, those things that make you different, appreciate them because you never know what type of ministry you'll be involved with um, in that area. And yeah, it helps you to blossom. Um, when you learn to appreciate the differences and the things and the, 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 um, those things that make you who you are, then you'll, you'll thrive in your ministry. Mm. Good stuff. Good stuff. Shanti, you know, they say learning how to respect yourself and being grateful for your gifts, your talents, and abilities shows in the way you steward over these things. I just got finished reading in Isaiah, I think chapter four, three, four, one of chapters, how God was saying how he, like, he destroyed, I think, a part of, like, the promised land, but he kept some of the people in Zion, and he invested, it, oh, I'm sorry, it was the parable of the vineyard, and I think it's chapter three. And how he planted his people there to produce. He gave them everything they needed to produce good grapes. But all he got back were bitter grapes. All he got back was horrible work or no work. And he's like, didn't I give you enough? Like, didn't I do everything for you? And as I was reading, I was just like, oh, my gosh. Like, just envisioning God just looking like, what is wrong with you? Like, I gave you the two legs to walk. Now walk. You know, it's like it gets that critical at times. And when we, when God has blessed us with these skills and abilities and talents, and we do nothing. And at, and at the end of the parable, he said, okay, you want to do this? Now I'm going to destroy you. I'm going to tell the clouds not to rain on you. I'm not going to help you produce. You're going to be stagnant. You're going to die off. You're going to be burnt off. And it's like, I was reading, I was like, well, we might as well. I mean, if we're not doing, we don't know why we, you're 
we don't know the exact reason why God may have opened our eyes this morning. Yes, you know, he wants to love us and bless us with mercies and all that. But we, we don't know the exact, like, what he really needs us to do a lot of times, um, especially if we don't tap into him. But when we don't utilize what he has given us, we literally interfere with his work. You are immediately interfering with his work, which is scary, because you're not only interfering with your life, but now you're interfering with someone else's life. Because what we do know is we're not here just for us. We're here to minister to others, to assist God with drawing them to him. And now we are not showing others what God is able to do with them by what he's able to do through and with us. So we willing to sit here and be dead weight, that's very scary because we don't know how God is going to respond to that. So now you just abuse and misuse your body. You're not exorcising the things God has given you, which could very well be the thing that helps you grow. You don't use your brain, you're now brain dead. You know, you, you don't exercise, now your body doesn't, you know, move the way it's supposed to. So you really end up interfering with a lot when you don't utilize the things that God has given you, the talents and skills and abilities he has given you. Mm-hmm. Uh, Elder Nitisha, what are we saying about these gifts and abilities and how we respect ourselves with these gifts and abilities and talents? Uh, I believe that God has given us gifts and abilities for his purpose in in the earth. I I really do believe that, you know, our existence really is to satisfy a need that God had in the earth. And, you know, our gifts and abilities are unique to us. Even if someone is doing what we do, you know, so to speak, they will not approach it with the same tactic as you they won't style it with the same Mm -hmm. approach that you have because we are all uniquely and wonderfully made and so your ability to tap into that allows for you to really have the fullest life that you can have an unfulfilled life is a life that um, is not living out its purpose Um, part of the hierarchy of needs and, you know, and this is, you know, through psychology and sociology, but the hierarchy of needs is that we are utilizing our gifts and talents to pour out to others. And so it's this idea of that as we are being poured into and as we're pouring out to others, that is how we experience the highest level of fulfillment um, as human beings, period. And so... It plays a, a a dual role, which I think just it coincides with the fact that our God is just complete in everything that he does, is that he gives us these gifts and these talents so that we can have a fulfilled life. We can understand ourselves through our creativity, through the gifts and talents. We get a deeper understanding of who we are, and we also get a deeper understanding of who he is. And so we want to be able to honor and respect ourselves by tapping into another part of who we are that allows for us to another way to shut the mouth of the enemy another way to shout out our fears our doubts 
our unbelief, our low self-esteem, all of the things that tell us we're not enough. Every person has to combat this, this nagging notion, this question of, am I enough? Is what I do matter? And the way that we're able to shut that out, to shut the mouth of the enemy, is by utilizing all of the things that God has placed in us that really is to solve a problem in the earth that brings glory to him. Amen. Fine job, ladies. As always, thank you so much for your contribution into today's conversation. We're going to stop there because we don't want to miss the opportunity to say happy birthday to Vivian. And we don't want to miss this opportunity because we know that as the time goes on on a Wednesday, we lose her, we lose Lady Tamika. So we're not going to waste any more time. Lady Tamika, I'll give you first dibs and saying happy birthday to Vivian. Happy birthday, my dear. You are a dynamo, even when you don't think that you are. You are a shining light in the midst of darkness. You have been able to burrow out and fight through the adversity, and I thank God for you. Um, And I pray that this chapter will be all the more better for you, that you will be able to blossom and to grow and to stretch out and to branch. You know, just like you see little flowers or little leaves, you know, leaning towards the sun, that you will do just the same, that you will lean toward not the S-U-N, but the S-O-N, and he will lead you to far greater and far better and far prettier than you have ever phantomed in your life. May this chapter be an amazing and awesome one for you. Be blessed, my sister. Amen. All righty. Thank you so much. Elder Nitesha. Happy birthday, Vivian. You know, we just finished talking about gifts and talents, and it is so apropos to be celebrating you on the same day that we talk about gifts and talents because you have so many. And how awesome is it that you bring glory to your father, much glory to your father by all of the things that you do, and you do with such precision. We, we appreciate the effort that you put into everything we do. So it is our prayer that God will continue to bless you, continue to uh, grow you, continue to just order your steps according to his will and purpose. Have an amazing new year. God bless you. Amen. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. Ah, you know, I, I see this... Uh, this number showing up here. Number looks kind of familiar. Let's say, uh, good morning. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday. Happy birthday, V. I love you, baby. <laughs> well, you better say this is your husband or something, because we don't want nobody right. that we got no perverts all in here. I am the husband. My name is Serge. I'm the husband of Vivian. 
<laughs> oh my goodness. Thank you so much, nurse, for calling in. I don't know what's going on. This whole system has a mic on completely own. What's happening, Vivian? I don't know who you just made mad in the in the technology world, but uh, I can't turn it off. I don't know where it's coming from, but uh, just gonna override that. Thank you so much for calling, Serge, and we pray you have a blessed day. All right, we got somebody else on the line. Say happy birthday. The mic is yours, sir. Oh, yeah, good morning, good morning, Pastor Steph. I hope everything is going well. I got word on, word on the street, it's Vivian's birthday. So I just want to say happy birthday to you, Vivian. You know, may God bless you to keep doing what you're doing. You're doing a great job. I don't know where you find them crazy stories from, but it's always interesting to hear. So I just want to say happy birthday to you. May God bless you to see many more. That's Brother Al. Oh, yeah. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. Uh, hold on. As a matter of fact, let me let me live in Vivian's mic. I don't know. This thing is like crazy here today. Vivian, I'll give you a you know each time in person you can say thank you, whatever. You better speak fast, girl, before the music starts playing. Oh, the mic. Happy birthday, Vivian. How are you? I'm so glad. I'm so glad. I'm so glad God allowed you. The uh, spiritual life yet another year. You are growing every every day. I am so proud of what God is doing in your life. I'm so proud of how you're allowing him to use you and how you're allowing him to all your steps. Continue to do what you do, and God will continue to do what he does. God bless you. Uh, thank you, thank you, thank you so much. Vivian, your, li- your mic is live. All right, well, we're going to keep this party going. Uh, Shanti is live. Happy birthday to my sister Vivian. I love you, girl. It has been an amazing, amazing time watching you move to the side and allowing God to reintroduce himself to you. Girl, your obedience, your resilience, uh, just thanking you so much for just opening yourself up to me and we're able to now allow God to do what he does, and he's building our careers individually, but together. I love working with you. You are amazing. You are very creative. I pray that you just continue to do your thing, girl. Do your thing as a woman of God. Do your thing as a wife. Do your thing as a daughter. Just so happy to see how you just push past everything, Lord. When God gave us that fixture, just shut up and push through, and how you just Develop your relationship with your mother, girl. I love you so much. I hope that you have an amazing birthday week. Love you. Happy birthday. Woo! Oh, thank you. Thank you. All right. 
I don't know. Vivian is trying to talk. Like I said, let me tell her if her mic and turn it back on. Vivian, can you can you hear can you try to talk now? Nope. Wow. Wow. As a matter of fact, let's do this. Okay. Gonna give her an opportunity to call back in. Now we have uh, our dedicated listener. Give you an opportunity to talk. Your mic is live. Good morning. Good morning. Happy birthday, Vin. I'm so proud of you. Where you come, where you came, and where you where you are going. And I and I hope that you enjoy your day. Have a wonderful day. Bye. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank you all so much. Okay, let me turn your mic back on. Okay, Vivian, you want you want to try to talk now? Hello, can you hear me? We can hear you now. We can hear you now. Okay. Thank you, everyone. Thank you for the birthday wishes. Thank you for calling in. Thank you for the love today. I really appreciate it. All righty. Uh, I didn't say what uh, I have to say, but giving God thanks for your existence here on It's Due Time with Pastor Steph. What a blessing to have you here. Okay, we've got, a, before I go any further, happy, happy birthday, Vivian. I thank God for you and all you are that has enhanced all of our lives. May God continue to bless you. And that's from Anika. Thank you, Anika. Thank you, Deacon. <laughs> well, giving God thanks for your life, Vivian. Um, watching you blossom, and I've, I've told you this many times, watching you blossom uh, when, from when we first started here on this due time and you started the socially conscious segment, you know, when we started doing the It's Due Time Live at the event, you know, uh, watching you just shoot from the hip. You know, we are unscripted here. We're unscripted when we're, you know, at these events and watching how you have allowed God to use you is amazing. It is amazing to watch you grow it is amazing to watch your attitude and your outlook on your life, how you've grown in your personal life, how you've grown as a, a spouse, how you've grown as a child of God, your decision to give God your life and to be baptized. It all has been a pleasure to be on the sidelines watching as well as standing you know, in the spot that I am in, in your life. And I give God thanks that he has sent you into my life. You know, um, he's been a major blessing and an and encouragement to watch. Keep up the good work. Don't stop pressing. Don't stop allowing God to use you. Just keep on doing what you're doing. And all of the accolades and the salutations this morning 
are very, very well earned and deserved. Thank you. Thank you. I wanted to say um, that, like, I've been, you always say, like, every time you talk about me, you always say, like, I beat Vivian up. (laughs) I beat her up. And look how far you've come. And for a long time, I was tired of hearing it. I'm like, if she don't stop saying this, I'm so tired of this. But it came to me recently um, with one of our congregants uh, recently walking away again, and um, God just gave it to me that this is why she keeps bringing it up, because you get beat up, yes, okay, fine, whatever, but you keep coming back, and he gave it to me that that's the beginning of wisdom, because the Bible says that, you know, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and the knowledge of the Holy One is understanding so that he gave it to me that, you know, me coming back despite being beat up by my pastor, <laughs> despite, mm-hmm. you know, whatever feelings that I may have, you know, not that she's ever wrong, not that you're ever wrong, but, you know, just me having to deal with being beat up all the time, being corrected all the time and stuff like that. And in ways that I, you know, don't prefer, you know, I would prefer the more gentle route, but God has it to where it's being done like this. And he's showing me why, because any time that I ever wanted to walk away from the church, and it has been time since I've walked in, that I was like, all right, I'm done with this. <laughs> I'm done. Mm-hmm. But he just kept bringing me back. Him and the Holy Spirit just kept bringing me back. So thanking you and thanking God for just never giving up on me and for him just giving me that recently, um, that taking these punches with strides, you know, taking this, this correction with stride. Um, so just encouraging, hopefully, the person that, you know, hopefully they're listening or hopefully they'll hear, even if they're not listening, they'll get back to them that, you know, we don't go to church for for the pastor. We don't go to church for the congregants. We go to church for God, for our relationship with him to, um, you know, just grow in that relationship with God and understanding that, that's what 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 should be bringing us back to the church, not the pastor, not the congregants, not the food, <laughs> but the relationship that we have with God. That's the beginning of wisdom. We just got through reading in the Bible. I forget which chapter it was, but he just kept saying, I'm going to do this to you. I'm going to destroy you. I'm going to destroy your children. I'm doing all these bad things or what you will perceive as bad things to let you know that I am the Lord because I've been doing all this good stuff. I freed you from Israel, and you're not understanding that I'm the Lord. So now we're going to turn this thing around. We're going to do it this way so that you understand that I am the Lord. So definitely this year of my life, that fear of the Lord has definitely been increased. I don't want to lose anything that God has given me, and he has given me so much lately. Just as Shantis has just said, he's increasing our career both individually and collectively. So I'm not trying to lose anything that God has given me. And I'm just excited for this new year of my life and what the the what he has opened up inside of me. So, again, thanking you all for calling in. Thanking you for your love. Thank you, Pastor. And, uh, yeah, I'm just excited for this year of my life. Amen, amen. I have someone else that's here who wants to offer you a birthday salute. But for the record, I purposely didn't say that today. 
I was like, you know what? And you know what's funny? When I said it the last time, I said, I'm not saying it anymore. And I didn't say it today, and you commented. So I want to say thank you for just even, uh, see how God moves? Just allowing you to really see what the purpose was in saying that. But I don't want to lose this person. So, like is live. Hello. 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 Hi. Can you hear me? Hi. Happy birthday. Thank you. How are you? Oh my goodness. Thirty-four. Oh, I shouldn't put your business out there. I'm sorry. But happy birthday. I'm sorry I'm at work, so I have to rush, but I definitely wanted to come on and just say happy birthday to you. I love you. Um, you're the closest sister that I have in my family. We're going through this work together, and I'm just so proud um, to, that, to, to just go through this work with you. Thank you. Love you. All right. I love you, too. Have a great day. Thank you. Thank you for calling. Well, amen, amen. Thank you so much, Vivian. Have a blessed and wonderful day, and uh, we Thank we you. want God's best for your life. All right, enjoy. Thank you. Have a good day. You're welcome. Oh. All right. Wow. We had a wonderful, wonderful, wow, Wednesday. You know, giving God thanks for all that he does in our lives. You know, we talked today about respecting yourself. And, you know, to listen to Vivian, you know, say what she said about just not wanting to uh, lose all that God is giving her and has given her. You know, we, 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 we're reading the Bible from cover to cover. As, as I've said before, this year we've embarked upon that as a congregation. And, you know, we see, we, we have seen up close and personal how God, you know, has dealt with the nation of Israel and, you know, how he feels about, you know, choosing and, and and blessing and having this outline and this design for, you know, this nation and how they just went back and forth, you know, five minutes they're grateful and obedient and then, you know, they're back and, and turning their back on God and, you know, all the things that he told them not to do they did, and all of the things that he warned them not to do, and all the times that he reminded them, you know, I am, you know, the one who brought you out of Egypt. I'm the one who did this. I'm the one who blessed you. And, you know, I, when, I, when, I, when I kept reading it, and he just kept saying it over and over and over and over again, and I, I had to chuckle because I said to myself, I said, you know, it's amazing how, you know, when people say things, and, and, and God forbid you repeat it once or twice, it's, oh, why you got to be throwing things back up in my face? And, you know, I, I don't think that a lot of times 
you know, people realize that that's not the person's intent. There are some people, you know, who do throw things, in, you know, in your face. But, you know, just a lot of times people have to be reminded. I want to believe that you do, but people have to be, and that there's no inference to Vivian. I'm just saying in general, you know, people have to be reminded that, you know what, this is what God has done for you. God used people for your life. God has blessed you through this channel or that channel. You know, so well, let God do that. You don't know what God has given people to say. And sometimes, you know, you lose sight of how God has blessed, you know, you. You know, when people say things, sometimes in your private time, you do go back in your corner and you say, you know what, God, wow, you've blessed, you've blessed me by sending me this one and that one and by doing this or that. And, you know, if someone had not um, blessed me here or blessed me there, I wouldn't be where I am. And one day in, in church years ago, someone asked the question, you know, well, how many times am I supposed to, you know, uh, uh, be uh, uh, grateful for, you know, what somebody has done for me? And I remember the pastor saying, forever. Be forever grateful for what that person did because if they didn't do it when you were five, you couldn't have got to. You had to pass five before you got to ten. And a lot of times we forget what God has done for us. And respecting ourselves is ultimately respecting God. It's ultimately showing God that we're grateful to Him for what he's done. And, uh, you know, when we don't respect ourselves, then we have no respect for God. Because if it weren't for God, then we wouldn't be where we are. You know, we talked about the fact that we are fearfully and wonderfully made, and we thank God with our bodies by not hating or abusing it. And we talked about how here we are, the police officers that are supposed to be serving and protecting but yet they're more concerned about their comfortability and, and their, you know, uh, getting high. And, you know, not remembering what God has put them here for. No, that's our, that's our responsibility. That's what we're supposed to do for God's people. So come on, let's get it together. Let's show God that we're appreciative of everything he does for us by respecting ourselves. All right? All right. You've been listening to It's Due Time with Pastor Steph. Join us Monday through Friday from 7 a.m. to 9 a.m. where we discuss matters of the heart, mind, and spirit as you go through your day. Be sure to set your mind on things that are above, not on things that are on the earth. They will only serve as just a distraction. Remember, change is things. Step signing off, and I want to thank my due time crew for always coming through big time. Thank you for hanging out with us. Please do not, please do not miss this opportunity to give Christ your life right now. Please do not miss this opportunity to strengthen your life in the Lord right now. The relationship right now, because data is not promised to anyone until tomorrow. God says, "Where it's therapeutic Thursday." Until then. Love you.